I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. Great show for you guys coming up today. The divisional round in the NFL was giving a lot of great stuff to get to there as always make sure you download subscribe rate review us leave us a five-star rating and check us out live monday through friday 8 to 10 a.m eastern on draftkingsnetwork.com the youtube channel samsung tv plus roku and more we will get to wall to wall everything that happened over the weekend including me and dad being at the san francisco 49ers and green bay packers game that dad was calling uh, a quick thank you to everybody who might have checked out the live stream that we did last night during the chiefs bills game as well shout out to uh you know hank and brandon and everyone that helped make that happen on our end was a ton of fun had a ton of fun guests come by on that one and uh Got to uh, talk once again about my father's glowing bathing habits in that one, which I'm sure, Dad, you were happy to have thrust back into the public light. Yeah, <clears throat> your mother after that said, can we go a week without talking about, you know, your bathing habits? Is, is it possible? <laughs> and I said, listen, I, I, I don't know. It comes up. I, I don't shy away from it. You know what? I'm, I have no problem with it, so I stand by it. Uh, Dominic Foxworth really seemed to be turned off by that. He really seemed to have a problem with that. Well, have you ever considered running your own bath or is that just not 
No. Nah. No. Okay. No. It's, it's, it's much better to just have go in. There's a bath already there, and I just step into it. Yep. Kind of lazy. It's, not going to lie. Kind of lazy. It's the... It's the if it ain't broke, don't fix it school of bathing yeah. there. Yeah. If you want to learn yeah. about what that's all about, you can go check out the live stream that's still available on our YouTube. But if you want to find out about how the Kansas City Chiefs went ahead and did it, well, right here, right now, uh, we'll get to all the games. The championship games are now set in the NFC. We're going to have the Detroit Lions traveling to San Francisco for the NFC championship game. And in the AFC, Kansas City heads to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Because last night, Dad, Patrick Mahomes went ahead and did it. He fulfilled the prophecy. He played in his first road playoff game and subsequently won his first road playoff game. The Chiefs got a big-time win on the road, 27-24. And for it to come down to wide right in Buffalo, of all oh. places, in this game, Dad, I, I, I had no dog in this fight. I got asked by someone before the game, you know, who we're rooting for. And I said, I really, truly have no way I lean one way or the other. I picked the Bills, but there's so much to like about both these teams. But to watch it happen in that excruciating fashion, if you're anyone outside of, like, the Kansas City fan base footprint, you've got to feel a little bit for the way Buffalo fans had to go through that. Yeah, for anybody that may not know the comparison of wide right, you go back to January of 20, uh, I'm sorry, of 91, Super Bowl 25, Buffalo against the Giants. Scott Norwood on a 47-yard field goal to win the Super Bowl is wide right. Misses it, Giants win the Super Bowl, and that was uh, unfortunately a miss that has lived on through the decades of, of such a, a tough time for the Bills who could get to a Super Bowl but never get over the hump. And in this one, you know, this one was going to tie for Tyler Bass, you know, with, what, a minute 47 left to tie the game up, which the first thing I thought of when they were going to kick the field goal was, well, go ahead and make it, but Mahomes has a minute 47. So, yep. you know, it took him 13 seconds a couple of years ago. What do you think he's going to do in a minute 47? But still, it would have been a nice thing to watch to do. Uh, but Tyler Bass misses badly on, what was it, a 44-yarder, I think. Uh, pushed it wide right. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. But as while people are going to look at Tyler Bass and the kicker, and he took responsibility for it, as is most cases, and players understand this, it's not down to one play. You know, there are other opportunities during a game, and there were for the Buffalo Bills. A, a game in which, what was it, Buffalo scored on its first four of its five possessions, Kansas City its first five of its six possessions, and then after, what, with 14 minutes left in the game, nobody can score, right? Yep. That's it. I mean, Pacheco gets that uh, touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and the scoring's done. Yeah, it was for a while like a heavyweight fight where everyone was yeah. just going back and forth with their best shot. And it ended up not being enough. So, Dad, you, you said it right, and Josh Allen said it after the game as well. No one play wins or loses the game. Came to the defense of his teammate. But in your mind, what did this come down to? Because I, I thought it was interesting the styles that made the fight in this game. We talk so much about Kansas City's lack of ability to muster up big plays for the majority of the season, and that ended up being a huge part of the difference of this game. Kansas City finished with eight plays of 20-plus yards in this game to Buffalo's zero. 
They had zero in this game. Josh Allen has now started 104 games regular season and postseason. And tonight, last night was just the fourth game of his career where he didn't produce a single play of 20 or more yards in the game. So uh, what in your mind was the difference if it wasn't that right there? Well, I mean, I, I think you look at that because you have a, a, you have a, a lead change five times, right? So it's a very close game. So what's going to separate turnovers? You basically had one each when Buffalo tried the fake punt, right, in their own oh. territory and didn't make it. And because Kansas City had 10 guys on the field, whether they went in with the fake punt or checked to it because of that, I don't know. Uh, but they didn't make it. But then Kansas City kind of gives it right back, you know, on the old fumble out of the back of the end zone situation. So really there was no blood there. So what's going to separate? You're waiting for a big play. What's the turning point here? And, you know, you mentioned it. Eight plays of 20-plus yards for Kansas City and none for Buffalo. None. I mean, this game was so evenly split, Mike. The, the Buffalo throws it 39 times. They run it 39 times. Kansas City throws it 23 times and runs it 24 times. They had so many less plays than Buffalo, but they were more efficient with their plays. It was kind of like the game I did uh, in San Francisco. Green Bay was running more plays than San Francisco, but San Francisco was becoming more efficient with them. And that's what Kansas City was. They were more efficient with their plays because Buffalo had their chances. The missed touchdown throw from Josh Allen to, um, uh, to Khalil Shakir. I mean, everybody's talking about Chris Jones pushing the, the lineman into him so he couldn't fall through. Jo Josh Allen's got a strong enough arm to make that throw. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put it on that. Uh, I think he could have got it there. He didn't get it there. You know, so wait, I, I, I wait, thought he could have. Wait, thought, you're not going to, while the rest of the world wants to give a defensive lineman credit for impacting the game in a way that's not just a sack by saying the pressure applied there, basically putting Deion Dawkins into Josh Allen's lap. You are going to be the one that robs credit from the D lineman. I just want to make sure I'm hearing that right, because I was going to get ready to get up here and wax poetic about what an important play that was from Chris Jones, who's found a way in the last few years, especially to step up in the postseason. You're telling me he gets no credit for that. No, no, he gets he certainly gets credit for it. But I'm saying Josh Allen has a strong enough arm, even if somebody is coming is is getting pushed into the, the, this was to his left side, not straight at him, that he has a strong enough arm to get it there. You see some of the passes he's thrown in that game? Deep balls? The guy can hum it. I mean, he, he's got an arm. So yeah, yeah. Chris Jones, does he get credit for it? Certainly he gets credit for it, but but you don't think Josh Allen doesn't have the arm strength to, to still put that ball there? I, I, I agree. You know what? Usually that's the thing you associate with Josh in this level of quarterbacks is, yes, the ability to pull that off. I do think getting – I don't know. I don't pretend to know what it's like to throw a football under duress. And so right, right. the notion of getting hit at the right time by a guy that size – I don't know. Chris Jones, I just want to let you know that Mike Golick Jr. is the friend of defensive lineman on this show who is willing to give you credit <laughs> for a game-changing moment in this game. But you're right, Dad, that it was misfires like that. Really, going back to the opening drive where one of the first passes of the game was Josh trying to fit it into Stephon Diggs down the middle of the field, and he gets crunched yep. by the safety. There's some bodies flying on that play. And, Dad, I think one of the 
bits of fallout from this game could be the future of Stefan Diggs in Buffalo and what that looks like. He's still got four years left on his contract. I don't mean in any way like that, but that was just a relationship that down the stretch of the season never really seemed quite as explosive as it used to be because Buffalo tried to win this game the way they had been winning games down the stretch of the year, which is by pounding the rock on the ground, 182 yards rushing in this game, led, of course, by Josh Allen, who once you got down inside the red zone, this man was unstoppable. He was in battering rant mode, trying to get to the end zone and usually succeeding very much in that. So that's why I had picked Buffalo in this game, because I thought with that as an identity, they'd be able to go out and do exactly what they did, which is control the flow of the game, control time of possession and be ruthlessly effective in there, especially in the low red zone. And they were all of those things, but not able to pull it off because on the other side, the bad man still lives here. Yep, he does. He and connected twice with uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. They now hold the record of touchdown passes uh, between those two. They passed Brady and Gronk. Uh, so that, that's pretty impressive. But Josh Allen, I, I, I'm with you. I picked Buffalo as well. I thought he'd be the difference. I mean, he had two rushing touchdowns, led the team in rushing, and is now basically 30 yards away from Steve Young for all-time rushing yards in the playoffs I mean, yeah. he's going to destroy that record. I mean, for the years that he still has left in this league, he has 563. Steve Young had 594. So, I mean, it's ridiculous how well he does. He is, and it's so different watching La- Lamar Jackson run the way he runs, the way he can yeah. make people look ridiculous. And then the way Josh Allen runs, he's way faster than you think for his size. And the dude, when he has to, will lower his shoulder. Now, he'll slide when he has to as well. But, man, he's a freight train. And getting close to, to that end zone, he'll drop his shoulder with the best of them to get it in the end zone. So I did think that was going to be the difference. But, you know, here's Kansas City again, you know, proving to do, got that chip on their shoulder. Yeah, we got to go on the road. We'd never done it before. And just finding a way to get it done. I mean, I- impressive for them. Yeah. Buffalo had their chance. And it was a good game, a game we expected. Uh, but Buffalo fans just got their heart ripped out again. They did. And uh, Jesse, I believe, uh, do we have uh, what that sounded like as Buffalo was getting gutted in front of the nation? Yeah, we had Kevin Harlan on the call with Westwood one, and it was pretty good. Take a listen. Tyler Bass will try a 44 yard field goal to tie the wind at his back. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. No good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. 143 to go. It was wide right. Okay, so we heard from Bass after the game. He said, ultimately, it's completely on me. I've got to do a better job of getting through to my target, hit a good ball, but it didn't work out. I feel terrible, you know. I love this team, and it hurts. This one hurts bad. Yeah, I got to do a better job. Totally on me. Guys, there were a lot of moments in this game, a lot of things you could point to on why the Bills lost, but obviously, of course, when it comes down to it at the end, people very quick to blame the kicker. Sure. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's what you do. And by the way, he was, what, nine for nine in, in game yeah. tying or winning situations under two minutes ago. So he had been money for them. And, and listen, we make our jokes about the kickers. You got one job to do, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say, well, he's going to feel horrible about it. Players are. You can't put it on him. There's too many opportunities, Mike, as you well know, in a game uh, to make a player to change the direction something is going 
to put it on that one last play. He's going to feel awful enough. Nobody's going nobody's to feel worse than Tyler Bass, believe me. Uh, so, But you just, you just can't do it, and players understand that. They do, and you're right. This game, I mean, really sports talk giving this game because you had so many moments yeah. that are going to end up being fodder there. I didn't realize because I was doing the live stream so I couldn't hear audio of the game last night that there were 10 men on the field for that fake punt for yeah. Buffalo because I was ready yeah. to break, you know, to take them over the coals on that one just because in a pivotal moment like that, I would be much more comfortable with Josh Allen with the ball in his hands if we're going to go for it on fourth down than trying to direct snap it to DeMar Hamlin in that situation. But if you've got 10 guys on the field and you've got the look that you practice for, that's usually yeah. how those fake situations operate on punt. Still less than ideal there. And then you turn it around and get bailed out by one of the other rules yeah. that the competition committee is getting set to look at and the fumble out of the back of the end zone, which, Dad, since the last time we had that debate, and I forget which game it was where that came up, I've sort of softened on it a little bit in my desire for that rule to be taken away just because we treat the end, end zone so differently for offensive players that are going in scoring. So I do understand the notion of making it different for guys going in close. But my biggest takeaway from that was, man, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are good teammates because how many times did we see them when Kadarius Tony messed up during the year? Go back yeah. to him. McCole Hardman, who had a fumble on that same sort of jet sweep handoff earlier in the game, fumbled that second time on the play to make that happen they went back to him clearly they wanted to try yep. and show him hey we know we're going to need you eventually and man it just cratered for them boy that that fumble out of the end zone too that was wild because you, you saw the fumble at the end but everybody thought he was down that one went to review and it was so close that I wasn't sure Mike they were going to overturn it because again you need indisputable evidence and, I, and it, it, it it looked like he wasn't on the ground yet anybody probably was down when the ball was loose they got it right Eventually, they did get it right. But, yeah, two touches, two fumbles. But on the, on the plus side, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling had two passes his way. He didn't drop any. <laughs> he had yeah. two catches and averaged 31 yards a catch. So we had two big plays uh, in that game as well. It was, uh, it, it, it was what we wanted, right? The lead changes. Like I said, I'm still surprised that the scoring that went on, you know, you know, big punch, big punch answering that so much of the fourth quarter went with no scoring uh, at all. It, it was pretty amazing to see the way that happened and, you know, tightening up in those big moments, which is what we were all concerned about with this Bills team was how was it going to look in big moments? What was Sean McDermott's response going to be considering the past? We've seen them tighten up sometimes. And part of what was written about um, Sean McDermott over the course of this year was how him in big moments, the tightening up that goes on tends to affect the rest of that team. Ultimately, Dad, I think a lot of it came down to the injuries we talked about going into the game for Buffalo, too, at the linebacker level. You saw a lot of A.J. Klein, who was not a guy that was supposed to be the starter at the beginning of the year, running right. to try and catch Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field, who had a big game, multiple touchdowns for them. They exploited a lot of those matchups. They had a lot of runs that were designed to try and get them off balance and challenge at that level too and I thought Kansas City was able to lean into that weakness enough in a game that was close and could have gone either way by the end and Kansas City just found a way to get through yet again and now dad you kind of have to wonder what's next for this version of the Buffalo Bills uh, who I said going into the season I thought they had already missed their best shot of it they got on a hot streak because their quarterback and run game went absolutely berserk but some of the injuries on defense the attrition and aging in certain portions of that roster it feels like we're due 
due for some big changes coming up in Buffalo, and it does feel like this core has missed their chance. Yeah, you wonder. You know, they changed offensive coordinators uh, th- in, in, during the regular season. There will be some changes. There has to be high frustration because while I'm with you that you thought maybe their, their time had passed, all of a sudden this year presented a great opportunity. They started playing very well. And again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And they were playing well at the end, and they had Kansas City at home. So it kind of all set up for them to kind of get it over the hump. And this is like Bill's teams have passed, which got further. They got to the Super Bowl a bunch, but could never win it. Now it, they have to get past it, and it's still, it's Kansas City. Not only get you know to get to the top level of the AFC, but it's one team to get by. It's been one team that's been their nemesis, that's been their you know, Achilles heel right now. And that's the team they have to get over on. So you tinker with it. You have the quarterback without question and you tinker with everything else to try and get there. And will they get there? I I don't know, but you're right. They've had some really good teams and they keep losing. So the frustration level has got to be getting higher and higher and tired of saying, well, let's try and get them next year. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, The Bills are now 0-3 in the postseason facing Mahomes when Josh Allen is the quarterback. They've lost in the divisional round for the third straight season, and the Buffalo Bills have now ended, uh, had their season ended by the Chiefs three of the last four years. So it's that level of frustration. I said going into this game, it's the kind of loss that can break someone given the circumstances. You had Deion Dawkins, their left tackle, out here talking about how Mahomes hasn't really played in the environment like this. He got trolled by Pat after the game when a team's got your number that thoroughly there's no telling how desperate it can make you as an organization but certainly how frustrating that's got to be as a player to try and feel like no matter what you've done and the Buffalo Bills have done it in different ways trying to win this one on the ground it it, it has changed completely and yet the result still ends up the same so Kansas City moves on there if you're wondering yes we will have plenty for you on the shirtless Jason Kelsey that helped take over the broadcast for the majority of this that is not going to go uncovered the Detroit Lions fan sandwich is not going to go uncovered we will have you all things in the crowd dialed in here but coming up next let's get to some of the sights and sounds that we had from over this weekend one of the best weekends in all of sports the divisional around with some incredible bad dad dancing in a locker room next (laughs) i want to talk about jägermeister dad what do you know about jägermeister i mean well really all i know it's got a really awesome stag logo what what else do i need to know about jägermeister well uh you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Uh, Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for Miked Up Monday. We're going to take you inside some winning locker rooms. First, let's hit Detroit Lions defeating the Bucks 31 to 23. Lions in the NFC Championship. For the first time in 32 years, just the second time in franchise history, here is an, an emotional, to say the least, Dan Campbell after the win. You're built for this. You're built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there and the what? It's another high team that we knocked off. It's the next high team that you knock off. Do you know how hard it is to win in this league in the playoffs? Yes, sir. Do you understand what you're doing right now? What we're capable of? That's two. All right? That's two. We got two to go. How can you <laughs> not root God. for Dan Campbell and his dudes at this point? I don't know because I'm rooting for him. He's got to scream through trying not to cry in the post-game yes. locker room. <laughs> that is the kind of guy Dan Campbell is, Dad. What uh, what stuck out to you uh, about this win for the Lions? They went out here and are able to, as he said, put down a Bucks team that had gotten weirdly hot at the end of the year and had always yeah. sort of been volatile enough to be dangerous. So I, I think I want to start there and give Tampa Bay credit because how many yeah. times during the regular season did we kind of just poo-poo the NFC South winner that they were going to get in the playoffs and then they were going to get beat, right? And we were going to put them aside. And this team with Baker Mayfield got hot. Todd Bowles says he wants uh, Baker Mayfield back next year. We'll see what happens with that. But kudos to them. You know, knocking off, well, a Philly team that had really, really turned, you know, sure. the wrong way. But still... They got it done. You know, they won that game, and, and I think a lot of people were surprised Tampa Bay was even, you know, at this game and playing in this game. And this game was 17-17 going into the fourth quarter. So not only were they, were they there, but they were getting it done, standing right there toe-to-toe -to -toe going into the fourth quarter. And then you had two consecutive possessions uh, for Detroit where they went up two scores. And you thought – you know, that's going to be it. Now, Tampa Bay does get a score back, miss a two-point conversion after a nice uh, uh, fourth and 14 uh, that Baker yeah. Mayfield got to Mike Evans, which was nice, and got him with the touchdown pass. So they're down eight. And then Baker, you know, he threw a bad interception. You know, that, that's, that's, that's Baker. Baker's been playing well, but in the end, he's trying to drive down for the tying touchdown. They needed a touchdown two-point conversion. And he threw a bad interception. Credit Derek Barnes, read him well. He explained it after the play, what he was reading on uh, Baker, and, and it was a bad throw. It was just, just, a, just a bad throw, but a great season for them. But Detroit, man, I mean, how do you not love Dan Campbell? How do you not love this potential matchup with two offenses that have so much depth at talent on the offensive side of the ball? So really looking forward to this one and very happy. I Listen, I lived it in growing up in Cleveland. As a as a Cleveland sports fan, of uh, the ineptitude of what of those those teams, unfortunately, Detroit has as well. You know, it's all been made. You know, last time two wins in a playoffs, 1957. So it's been a long time for them. So I, they're enjoying it, but I don't think anybody's enjoying it as much as the fans are enjoying it. No, it's uh, the first time they've won two playoff games in a season since 1957, when they won back then the NFL title before the. Uh, 
NFL-AFL merger in the Super Bowl era in that. It's also uh, the first time they're going to be back in the NFC Championship since 1991-92 season. The last time the Cowboys went was 1995. So Dallas Cowboys fans look away from this as the Lions, who went (laughs) 0-16 in this millennium, are now also back in the NFC Championship before you there. And, Dad, it, it was interesting the way they did this because... Jared Goff got blitzed a ton in this game, like you'd expect from a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, but they were able to keep him clean up front. Goff was blitzed on over 50% of his dropbacks in the game, but averaged 2.51 seconds time to throw and was pressured just five times against the blitz during this game and wasn't sacked in any of his 24 dropbacks against the blitz. So credit to one, the plan that they had. Ben Johnson and company, that was something the Eagles were rightly criticized for, not having a good enough plan for what they were going to do against the Blitz. They had answers everywhere for Jared Goff, but then he executed. And that O-line led by Frank Ragnow, well, who went out there and was absolutely battling in that game, went in injured. He was on the injury report with a knee and a back and a toe, got rolled up on in the middle of a game where Jonah Jackson, their left guard, had already left with a knee injury and stayed in there, battled it out. They tried to pull him like a sicko later in that game, which Ben Johnson, you should be a shame to yourself for trying to make him do that you monster but uh those guys bowed up on that side defensively I thought they out blitzed them though you looked at what they were able to do Aaron Glenn and the blitz plan they put together the amount of free shots he got on Baker Mayfield it was dominance up front on both sides for them and really led by Brian Branch as the blitzer on defense I was amazed at the amount of blitzes on both teams. And and listen, we both talked about Brian Branch. Love that guy, whether it was blitzing or coming up on the run and supporting on the run as that unblocked guy and making a play in a one-on-one situation. But so much blitzing in this game. And that's where I was going to go, and I'm glad you did, because I covered the Lions a few weeks ago. And I remember going to the stadium, and they had a billboard up of the five starting linemen, uh, you know, advertisement for something. And my comment was they needed three billboards there to get all the different O-line combinations they had for the year. This is an O-line where guys had been beat up. And Frank Ragnow was the one who really is the epitome of that and how he stayed in that game. But they've they've gone through a lot of different combinations. And to do what they did on the blitz, golf was getting rid of the ball as well, you know, which is a quarterback's job in a blitz. But the line did a great job as well. So you're right. Kudos to them on that and what was a real blitz-happy game between both these teams. I would say, yeah, very blitz happy one team and, and Baker and the Browns, you know, uh, Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator for uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, had some good answers late. That screen touchdown yeah. against an all out look up the middle was awesome. And Baker Mayfield put up some monster numbers, 26 of 41 for 349 yards. It's so weird that Mike Evans had 147 yards receiving this game, dad. And it still felt like he left so much out there. The first interception bounces off his hands. There were a couple other near misses, which is the nature of the way they use him in that offense as this big play option and outlet but it just never felt like it was all that consistent for the bucks on offense outside of really end of half and end of game when they had to put the pedal to the metal any doubt in your mind um in putting a bow on tampa bay season while he's not going to get one of these monster quarterback deals that baker mayfield gets a deal and is the quarterback of this team going forward at least for the time being i think he's back we were talking to Mina Kimes on the live stream last night, and she said maybe something akin to like the Ryan Tannehill two-year deal that he got in Tennessee at some point there. I think something short-term with a decent amount of money. Yeah. He's going to, I yeah. think, rightly get paid for that and be the bridge to whatever comes next. But yeah, he's absolutely, I think, solidified himself yeah. as their guy going into next season. And I mean, speaking of solidifying themselves as dudes, 
We've talked a lot about the Rams rookie draft class for this year. I mean, the Lions, oh. Brad Holmes, take a bow after what you saw in this game from Sam Laporta, really, in the first half. It felt like dad dominating at tight end, nine catches for 65 yards in this game for him, but over 100 all-purpose yards for Jameer Gibbs, who I think really closed the door late in that game. You saw him when he got to one-on-one -on -one in the open field on that cutback against Antoine Winfield Jr., who's an all-pro yeah. and a great yep. player in this league. And I mean, had him grasping at air. You knew as soon as you saw it, it was no contest because Jameer Gibbs is that dynamic. Their rookies took over. Credit to Jared Goff. Had a phenomenal fourth quarter. Looked great in this game. We'll talk about him in comparison to Brock Purdy because I think it's interesting to kind of hold those two up side by side. But the rookies for the Lions, we already talked about Branch, but Laporta and Gibbs on the other side. Monsters. Yeah, they were. And listen, the last few drafts, remember, you know, Aiden Hutchinson has only been in the league a couple of years. I mean, they've 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 had some choices in the last few years that have paid off for them uh, the, the way the way it should. They're they're a great program right now. I mean, they're in the NFC championship yeah. game and they deserve to be. They absolutely deserve to be with what they're building there. Let's see what happens when they go out to play San Francisco, who is not on their A game at all in the game I covered out uh, with Green Bay out there. Uh, but still, San Francisco is, is <laughs> about as complete as can be. So we'll, we'll obviously talk about that. I think that is good, though, you're saying they're a good program because it has built to this. There's been some other teams where it's felt like it's come out of nowhere or it all came together in a year. This has been a slow grind of a process, emblematic of Detroit and all the things Dan Campbell wants to represent as a city that have now gotten them to this point. And because they've gotten healthy at certain spots at the right time offensively and defensively, it does feel like they have a very real chance going up against the Niners team that might be less than their best pitch. But coming up next let's look at the team that's the final boss waiting at the head of all of this in the AFC uh, championship contender Ravens the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA with same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are continuing with our Miked Up Monday segment because there's so much good sound to get to after a weekend like the one we just had. We had the Ravens defeating the Texans 34-10. to 10. Lamar Jackson, let's go, buddy. Have a day. 
threw two touchdown passes, ran for two scores. They pulled away in this win. It's only the second victory in five playoff games for Jackson. And, man, guys, we got to talk about it is a good year to be a Harbaugh, okay? John and Jim's dad, Jack, so John, Jim, Jack, and we actually found out that um, their mom's name is Jacqueline, so they're doing the Kardashian thing with the J names. He was getting the guy fired up post-game before we had John breaking it down. Get in there, Coach Jack. I know you got a question. I know, Holland. I know you got a question. A question? If I might, who has it better than us? No! It's the dancing for me. I can't get over it. I mean, it's so bad that it's good. John Harbaugh has definitely seen Napoleon Dynamite. That's what that tells <laughs> yeah. me dance right there. He's got canned heat in his heels tonight, and I'm fired up for him. The Harbaugh family never, sh never short on energy, Dad, and it's easy to see why after that game. The Ravens beat the Texans handily, 34-10 to 10 in this game. That was closer for a while, but yeah. you saw one team was – a dominant product of years of working through what Jesse just mentioned, just the second playoff win for Lamar Jackson in his tenure for the Ravens against a Houston Texas team on the other side that finally looked their age dad to me, the most telling stat in this game, 11 to three. 11 penalties for the Houston Texans against just right. three for the Baltimore Ravens. And a lot of them pre-snap penalties, the kind oh. of stuff that looked like a rattled team in the face of the death star that is the Ravens right now. Without a doubt. I mean, when you have a young team who, who played, you know, above their skis this year, for sure, you know, they're ahead of schedule, then all of a sudden you're putting them in first, first and 15 with these procedure penalties. Absolutely destroys you. So, again, just kind of like Tampa Bay, kudos to Houston because I don't think anybody expected them to be where they were, not even to make the playoffs, let alone get to this position. They've got a great young team building uh, forward, so good for them. But they ran into a team, and again, it was 10-10 at halftime. And then Baltimore took over. Baltimore rushed for, what, 229 yards in this game, 42 runs. They just battered Houston after a while. And Lamar Jackson, first player in NFL history to register two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, 100-yard rushing, and 100-passer rating. In any game, regular season or postseason. It's ridiculous what he just keeps doing <laughs> and the records he is going to set and the ability to which he has in doing this. Add in the fact that the receivers they got, you know, uh, uh, the added weapons they got. Remember, Mark Andrews we thought was going to be back. He was not for this one, so it was still Isaiah Likely at tight end. Todd Munkin leading this offense. But I'm sorry. I love Lamar Jackson. I love watching him on offense. But this Mike McDonald defense that Baltimore oh, has with, with these two linebackers, Smith and Queen, I mean, it reminds me kind of of San Francisco with Greenlaw and Warner of just dominant uh, defensive side of the ball, Kyle Hamilton and what he's done and what they're doing up front. They are just a such a physical Who's coming at you? Who's going to hit you? Defense lining up multiple guys on the line, just trying to confuse you and just batter you. It's absolutely amazing how, and I'm saying it right now, that I'm picking them to win. <laughs> I'm picking them to beat Kansas City. I know. I, I hate myself because coming off that Chiefs game last night where we, we both picked the Bills and they win, and it's a close game, but 
they still won. I thought in my head, I'm done picking against Mahomes in the playoffs. I did it last year in the Super Bowl, and I looked like an idiot. The guy just doesn't lose. They always have found a way to morph this team and whatever it needs to be. And then I looked up and remembered who we had seen earlier in the weekend and thought, oh, that's right, I'm going to pick the Ravens next week too because dead. they just right now, and I think for them, again, we keep going back to, and so much of football is this, man, they stayed healthy in all of these places. That rest versus rust debate, the rest overwhelmingly in their favor. Kyle Hamilton, a testament to that. They are so fast, fi- fast physical and have a decided schematic advantage now on both sides of the ball. Like you mentioned Todd Munkin and what he's done to help progress this offense to get the best out of both Lamar Jackson and the rest of the guys in this unit. Like Lamar Jackson, if they complete the mission on this, and even already now, finally I, I think is going to get the credit he deserves of being one of the like Mahomes Burrow level quarterbacks in the NFL should have before he was an MVP at such a young age and we talked about the rarefied air he'd be with two at the age he's at now but he is absolutely in that cast of game-breaking quarterbacks up top in the NFL right now but then you look at the other side dad you and I were talking before the break You look in the stat column, like the raw stats and the Baltimore Ravens, zero sacks in this game versus the Texans who had three on the other side. And you go, wow, that feels crazy. Next gen stats. The Ravens had 12 different pass rushers generate a pressure in this game and average their third quickest time to pressure of the season in 2.4 seconds. They were getting guys in CJ Stroud's face from everywhere. But even with that, you think that's a scheme thing. You look at all the individual parts, what guys like Justin Matabike just do against the run on any given down, what Jadavian Clowney has meant for them on the edge of that defense, completely shedding blockers there. They are, to a man, an amazing football team. And then you add in the fact that they are galaxy brain in terms of what they throw at you. Just a, a moment on uh, Matabike and what he has done. He was a third rounder. Uh, back in 2020, ended up having 13 sacks in the regular season. His third round deal, he just finished the end of his contract. He was on a four-year, $4.8 million contract, so a little over a million dollars a year that he was making. They tried to sign him to an extension in training camp, and he said no. He He felt he was going to have a good year. He bet on himself that dude is going to go from making about one, two a year to over $20 million a year. He is going to get paid, and kudos to him for it, to betting on himself, not signing that extension. Now he is going to get his due. I say it because it's the same team. He's Joe Flacco-ing this on defense. Like, could potentially ride betting on himself through a Super Bowl run that ultimately nets him a career-defining payday on the other side. So, yes, salute to Justin Matabike. And I'm with you, Dad. This is the most complete football team remaining in the postseason right now. Everybody else, you can kind of poke and find flaw. And even with this team, I think you could say... Hey, we saw going back to the Rams game, if you're going to try and get over on them, trying to do it on the ground is going to be your best bet. And Houston was not going to be a good matchup for that, right? The Texans have been one of the worst rushing teams for the vast majority of the season in the NFL. That showed up again, the downs and distances here. Kansas City is going to pose more of a threat there. We saw in this last game, one of their highest percentage of three tight end looks this season. They were ruthlessly efficient out of that. Isaiah Pacheco helped slam the door and has been a nightmare all postseason. And so they're going to be able to hit them where it hurts. But overall, 
You're not going to find any respite at linebacker the way that the Chiefs did in that matchup against the Buffalo Bills. The secondary is full of some really compelling parts against a receiver room that's not really the one you have to worry about consistently outside of Rasheed Rice. So they should absolutely... I'm surprised they're only a two-and-a-half point, a three-point favorite going into that game, Dad, which is a testament to the respect Mahomes gets because the AFC Championship game, now the sixth straight that Mahomes and Kelsey will be playing in at the helm of the Kansas City Chiefs is still the Patrick Mahomes invitational until further notice. So I guess that's why you get a three-point spread. Yeah, you just, I mean, this defense, 18 interceptions, 13 fumble recoveries. I mean, they're not only a dominating defense, but they will turn you over as well. So what, what a matchup. Mahomes against Lamar Jackson trying to, trying to get a hold of him. Uh, <clears throat> Kansas City this game had a quarterback who wasn't going to juke you but was going to run over you. Now they face a quarterback that is going to juke you and run past you and by you and, and away from you. When does Spags sleep, do we think, at this point in the postseason? Yeah. You you have to go game plan from trying to stop an actual moose that's loose in the backfield. Like, if you hit Josh Allen with your car, I cannot imagine the damage he would do <laughs> to the front end of that thing. And now you're going to go to Lamar Jackson, who's, like, trying to tackle the wind on any given play at the helm of the most prolific rushing offense that the NFL has to offer. Good luck, Spags. You've clearly faced a lot of wild stuff in your career, but this is a two-game stretch for another attempt at a Super Bowl run is impressive. Coming up next, let's get to the game we were into at in person this weekend in San Francisco as they took down the Green Bay Packers. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are continuing our recap of what was an amazing weekend. 49ers defeating the Packers 24-21. to So the Niners advancing to their third consecutive NFC Championship game, fourth in the past five years. It definitely wasn't easy, okay? They trailed 21-14 entering the final quarter. They entered Saturday's game, too, with some surprising stats here. 0-30 under coach Kyle Shanahan in games, including playoffs, that they trailed by seven or more points entering the fourth quarter. They were 0-3 in games like that during the regular season. Nick Bosa afterwards talked about the importance of managing to eke out a win in that situation. Um, we needed a win like that, I feel like. Why, why, do you hmm? why do you feel like you needed a win? We just haven't come from behind in a while. Um, it's a really good team and uh, really good coaching and uh, uh, just helps you get more battle tested. They haven't come from behind in a while, but they managed to do it. Uh, amazing. You guys were there. Look at this pick. Who's got it better than you two? A father-son duo. Ah. We love it. I, I, I had it pointed out by so many people, the hilarity of the rope keeping us out there that's what different field passes will do to you and having a rule follower for the oldest son where i wasn't gonna get let the rope actually uh, or i let the rope keep me from making this an objectively better picture i was gonna say that had to be odd for you because you call games all the time as well and you're used to walking around on the field you know you know talking to players or coaches and you had to be behind that the rope 
Tell you what I wasn't used to. You can throw that picture back up there. I had to buy that like cream shacket when I got to San Francisco. I went on a day trip to go up there at the game with a friend. Bought that shacket. I have never gotten more compliments yeah. about anything I have ever worn in my entire life. It's really I didn't know nice. how to handle it. I was drunk with power yeah. and somehow managed to get through a sporting event where I ate sporting event food. I had cheesesteak. I had chicken tenders, fries, all sorts of stuff. Didn't spill on it once. Got out of there with a clean bib. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it was a very, really nice jacket. Really nice jacket. Yeah, it looks I, good. I shackets, to... are, shackets are in. All right, yeah, I don't know what a jacket is. It's big guy friendly. It's layering. Layering dad for the big guys here so we can kind of show off because we're not as stylish as the skinny guys, but yeah. when you've got something you can throw over the top, it hides some of my lesser features and it keeps everything tight and sucked in there. Senior, a shacket yeah, is a shirt a... jacket. It's a shirt, jacket, shacket. Is that it's a shirt? It looked nothing like a shirt. That, like was a, a that was a jacket. That was a jacket. No, it, was, it wasn't like it. It was kind of a shirt, though. Yeah. It's a shacket. A shacket? Okay, that's a first for me. Either way, I liked it and I wanted it. So, <laughs> you know, next time you need to buy me a gift, maybe get me a shacket. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, there we go. Dad, shacket era incoming here. Uh, Dad, in the meantime, while we get you fit for a shacket, the 49ers are uh, heading back to the NFC Championship, their third straight NFC Championship game. And as Jesse mentioned there, the Niners are the first team to make the playoffs in the last 13 years without overcoming a second half deficit to win a game so they had to flex a muscle that they hadn't used in quite a while and it was a wild game you were on the call for this one dad this was not Brock Purdy's best day pretty much everyone around the stadium kind of recognized that and he managed to muster it late but Green Bay looked like the better team especially along both lines of scrimmage for the entirety of this game you know I think there were three surprises in the playoffs Tampa Bay winning a game and playing in that next round Houston even making the playoffs right and quite honestly, probably Green Bay making the playoffs. Green Bay, with the amount of rookie and second-year receivers that they have, then with a first-year starting quarterback, I don't think anybody saw this one coming either, but they started playing extremely well. Jordan Love wasn't turning the ball over. I mentioned it a thousand times. Last eight regular season games, 18 touchdowns, just one interception. He had been playing great. Aaron Jones, he went for over 100 yards in this one, making it five straight games, including the playoffs, to finish the season that he ran for over 100 yards. They were playing incredibly well. The leading receiver was a, a rookie in Jaden Reed who didn't catch one ball in the Dallas game. That's how much wealth they have at that position. They didn't even need him to catch a ball to beat the hell out of the Cowboys. So their, their future, like Houston's, is incredibly bright. But they were in this game. I mean, this where Houston just yep. got really spanked in the second half, Green Bay was right there. Green Bay was playing them. Green Bay's defense, the Joe Barry-led defense there, which had got, gone under a lot of turmoil, and there was question whether Joe Barry, the D coordinator, was going to be back. They started playing well at the end of the season. And this is a tough offense to play against in San Francisco because of the multitude of talent that they have. But Brock Purdy was off. You know, you sit there and talk about rust versus rest and that whole deal. Uh, he didn't play in that last game. So basically it was 19 days off for a guy. While he's been playing great, it doesn't have, you know, five years in the league just yet. He was off. Was it that? Was it we? everybody started going back to at the combine his small hands? It was 
it was wet out there. It was one of those rains, Mike, that it rained just enough to make it slick. And you could see at times he would take the snap, he was back in the pocket, and during the play, he would take his right hand off the ball and wipe it on his towel during the play to wipe his hand to try and get it drier and then put it back on the ball and make a throw. But he was off in his throws. Jordan Love was off in some of his throws as well. And I mentioned Jordan Love not throwing interceptions late uh, in the season. He threw two in this game, and both were on him. The first one yeah. was a ball way behind that, that a receiver ended up tipping in the air. And the last one is one you learn from, Mike, right? I mean, look at situations. There's, they're trying to drive down to tie the game. It's 24-21. They probably need 25 yards to get in field goal range um, for, for their kicker, uh, Anders Carlson, who had missed one uh, earlier in the game. But get him in field goal position to tie it. It's first down. They have a timeout left. And Jordan Love rolls right and does the classic mistake of just trying to wheel one way across his body in kind of desperation, and it's up there like a hot air balloon and gets picked off. And there was just no need to do it, and that's something he's going to learn. While he had a great first-year starting year, that's somewhere you need to learn, where Matt LaFleur is going to sit with him and say, listen, Jordan, we didn't need that there. We didn't need the hero ball on that throw. We're still within 20 to 30 yards of getting in field goal range with a timeout left. That wasn't the time to do it, but, you know, Jordan threw it up there. And, and it's tough to criticize him too much because he's a big reason they were where they were. But it showed where youth kind of came into play there on that play because they played a hell of a game on the road in San Fran. He's got a lot of Josh Allen to his game when it comes to that. Like the idea that you've got to kind of take the good with the bad and you're going to find ways and places where it's appropriate to crowd. And that is there too. He treated that like it was the last play of the game. Like it was fourth yes, down, there yes. were two seconds left and he had to yeah. have it when that wasn't the case in that spot. You also had Drake Greenlaw with yet another interception return yeah. where everyone on his team and everyone oh in his God. life is just begging him to get down. And he's out here arm overing with the football. I saw at the end of the game, he blamed Fred Warner, who said Fred, his linebacker mate, told him before the game, you're going to get a pick six. And so he said every time it happened, I was trying to make Fred right. But you saw everyone in America was all of a sudden imbued with dad energy, rising up at once, just yelling, get down. Uh, Mike, I, I thought his own team was going to tackle him. It, yes. it was stunning, the shot of their <laughs> sideline of everybody saying, get down. And you're right. He's like reversing field, arm overing. Yes. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I swear I thought his own team was going to tackle him. But, uh, but listen, they pull out the win. Brock Purdy has the drive when he needs it, right? Six for seven, 47 yards, uh, converted a third down, you know, on, on a pass to Ayuk and also to Conley. That was a big thing, and that's something we need to keep an eye on with them is Debo Samuel went out with a shoulder injury. Yeah. Remember, he got hurt in week six against Cleveland, missed week seven, week eight. They struggled. They lost three in a row. Trent Williams was also out then. He had cracked his shoulder then when he hurt his shoulder. X-rays are back. He didn't do that again, so they're hoping he'll be back. But, Mike, they're counting on a Chris Conley who had three receptions coming into that game for the year, a Ray-Ray McLeod who had 12 receptions coming into the year, Joan Jennings a little more, 19 receptions coming into the year. But, you know, you have a guy you count on so much in Debo Samuel out. Other guys stepped up when they needed to.
they did step up but now going forward it's going to be interesting because i think a lot of purdy's problems came down to pressure in the pocket which detroit is capable of putting on him and then the 49ers defense on the rush defense especially are who we thought they were aaron jones over 100 yards in that game the packers got it however they wanted i'm surprised this spread is a touchdown because i think the lions are built to hit him where it hurts especially yep. up front on both sides of the football Coming up next, we'll look at some other winners from the weekend and figure out how we're supposed to judge the quarterback play that we saw on Divisional Weekend.